well, this should be a surprise for a few people because I am here with Chris doing Star Wars Comics in Canon and we're doing the Mandalorian special. And I originally wasn't actually going to be on this, but Megan's doing tutoring. So we had a spare hour. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And I'm finally, I managed to speak with you, Chris, about this. Yeah. And, and obviously, Mike, I am the pure movie star wars fan more than anything and obviously now the mandalorian so yeah it's great to have especially it's a year since we did the collaboration mm. me you scott and dave you know we went through every movie so this is a great way to come full circle especially <laughs> the way the world is we're watching more and more tv now than ever so yeah i, I i've been in love with this mike i've had a few nitpicks as you probably heard but nothing that's distracting me from the fact that and i'm going to be a broken record i want to watch when this is finished the second series i want to watch it from episode one series one all the way through and i'm going to do that over christmas because i absolutely mm. adore it is amazing series. and i've obviously it's a weird place to be as a star wars fan especially a star wars fan of the new canon because i was kind of saying it to dave a little bit which is you get certain fans who are just watch movies, and that's completely fine, more so like yourself. And m- most people I know have just kind of seen most Star Wars movies, and that's it. And then you get certain people who've watched the series and stuff, and then you get certain people who are really toxic and hate all the new stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's funny that being a Star Wars fan, I just really enjoy the universe. I read, you know, books, comics, all that sort of jazz. And then it's so exciting for me to have everyone else getting as excited about star wars as i've been over the last few years you know me being i'm excited for some of the films and some a bit of a letdown and things but when mandalorian was announced i was like oh sweet live action star wars it's going to be amazing and series one i thought was brilliant but it didn't it wasn't like blow my mind brilliant it was more so there's some really really cool bits in it and then series two's here and then it's like you know I, there's, I wouldn't say there's been a bad episode, but at least half the episodes have been full home runs, just complete brilliance from start to finish. Yeah, I with you on that. And, and I know I, I mentioned like it's it's a pretty similar rinse and repeat format each episode, Mike. But but what mm-hmm. I will say is the quality's that good. Don't try and you know as you say, if it ain't broke, don't you know don't try and fix it because it just goes one episode into another. I mean, this run at about 37 minutes, was it this episode? And mm, yeah. it was from the, the start, it was brilliant. The, the action, the, the, the Mandalorian as a character, I just believe it. And he doesn't, it's so interesting because I, there's, there's something, obviously I messaged you straight away and I didn't want to ruin it for the guys in our discord channel. Um, you know, like Dave and, and Max and that and saying, um, and Scott, sorry, saying, uh, you know, what did you think of this scene? And obviously it's quite a big scene <laughs> for what we've gone through, but the Mandalorian doesn't have to do anything, but his acting, uh, Pedro Pascal's acting with the mask on, he's brilliant mm. with the helmet on, sorry, because you, you know what he's thinking just by his expressions and little bits of dialogue and using his body in a way. And I, I'm just fascinated by that. I really am. I think, I think it's really, really well made and the production value is excellent. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think they, they've completely hit the nail on the head uh, here with this. And um, I want to ask as well, just before we get into this specific episode, did you see some of the announcements for all of the billion shows that Disney oh, Plus have announced? Yeah, I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't catch, like, even the Marvel stuff, I didn't even catch the trailers. And then Dave's like, yeah, these trailers. I'm like, oh, shit, let's get on it. And, and yeah, I, I must admit, I'm really interested. The Patty Jenkins directed Star Wars movies. Is it Rogue Squadron? I'm sure I'm, 
That's, yes. that was a game that wasn't it Rogue Squadron as well it was exactly yeah yeah it's a very it's a game from sort of PC and I think GameCube I had it on the GameCube mm. back in the early 2000s and stuff so I remember playing that and doing like the Death Star run and actually being able to fly a, an X-Wing around it and it's it's a very hard game it, it was mental yeah I, th- I think I've got it to my left here on the N64 I could be wrong because I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've got I've never played it I don't think Mike. I think it's just one of the ones <laughs> I got in my collection when you know you just I was hoarding games but yeah yes I, yeah, when I <laughs> Well, I was interested because obviously she's just done Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman eighty four is just coming out, as we just discussed before mm. we jumped on, and uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. But but I mean, you are the Star Wars aficionado. Is which ones out of all of them has surprised you more than anything, Mike? Because I don't know half of them. I know some of the names, but I don't. I honestly don't know the, the context of what they're going to be about. Yeah, it was one of those funny things where I'm just going to get a screenshot up just so I make sure I don't accidentally <laughs> slaughter uh, what I've um, said, but. Um, it's interesting because I was saying to Megan, I was like, I wouldn't, if you said to me, bet money, they say Disney are going to release and announce some stuff tomorrow. How many Star Wars shows do you think they're going to announce? You can bet any amount of money and you'll get 20 times that. What do you think? I would have argued till I was blue in the face saying there is no way they're going to announce more than three. I, I was going to be like, nope, that there's no way they would announce such a huge amount in one go. And then I saw a Twitter thread about it and it just went on and on and on. And I was like, "Is it, I was, when I first saw the announcement, I thought it was just one of those uh, like mock ones. Like people make, you know, music festivals, for example, yeah. when they make, a, oh, the ideal download festival lineup and they've got like every big band ever on there. And I saw the photo initially. I was like, what? I was like, I can't be right. And I clicked on it. It was from the official Disney account. And I was like, how? How is what <laughs> I, I just couldn't? It, it was and and then not only with the Star Wars stuff, as you said, the Marvel stuff. They they announced, you know, there's the trailers for One Division and Falcon the Winter Soldier and a lot of the other ones. But then they've also announced She Hulk and Hawkeye. I think She Hulk was rumored for ages anyway, and Hawkeye. And th- there's just there's so many. It's actually quite like it's always hard to to wrap your head around. I'd say to be honest, but. Reg- Go ahead. Sorry, no, Chris. no, it's okay. No, no. I, what, what I did was, Mike, and uh, forgive anybody who's listened to me and Dave on. We we we've just done. In fact, you won't be able to hear it because we've just reviewed actually, Mike, the Star Wars holiday special Lego one, and uh, it's pretty good. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I watched that too. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good yeah, as well. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I did. I really uh, surprisingly. Yeah, I, yeah I, I thought you might. I thought I thought Mike's actually watched it. But what I always found interesting was, I put the the investor call on, and a friend of mine I work with is she absolutely loves Disney. She's got like um, mm. a, a timeshare in Florida. Can't even use it. She's only just bought it as well because of what's happened. And she goes to like Euro Disney every year, Florida two or three times. She's absolutely mad over Disney. And she tagged me on Facebook. So I put it on the investor call, Mike. And I'm like, and the guy went, hello and welcome to the Disney investor call. And I'm thinking, right, this is going to be an hour. I'll invest an hour and see what the shows are. Or just in relation to what I like and the podcast, like comments in motion, I'm thinking, right, it'd be nice just to uh, use our social media, put a few tweets out there and, and retweet some of the trailers. And then he went, well, over the next two and so hours, I was like, yeah, well, I'm out. I'll see you in the morning because I thought I'm not, I'm not <laughs> tuning in. I didn't realise it was going to be that long because obviously it's not just covering Disney Plus and that. But uh, yeah, I, I I looked at them things and I, and I said to Dave when we were recording, I said, you know what? I said, genuinely, I am going to be all over it. If they're the same level as The Mandalorian, it, it's going to be outstanding TV. I know they say it's oversaturation, but if they're made in the, such a quality as this series is that we're going to talk about, then I have no complaints. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things I kind of said to some people, and I've got the show list up now, so I'll quickly run through them before we start. But one of the things is that it's 
but spam people have said to me oh the more they're going to milk it and things or there's going to be too much content and i've kind of made the angle where disney plus is actually a streaming service when like netflix and amazon prime release you know 20 shows in a year people don't go oh, netflix releasing a few too many shows at the moment they go oh no that show's crap so the showrunner for it is crap oh that show's crap so i think that that's kind of what's going to more so happen where disney realized they tried to do the sequel trilogy in the sort of corporate way and it it was a su- success financially but as fans and review wise it wasn't really you know rogue one and force awakens were highly reviewed solo sort of middle ground last jedi completely split fans and then rise of skywalker is generally people didn't like it as much whereas mandalorian everyone loves it so the thing is i'm gonna just read off a couple ones here of the um the show says mandalorian obviously continuing there's rangers of the new republic and ahsoka ahsoka's gonna be made by dave filoni who created ahsoka and he's the one who did clone wars and rebels and rangers of the new republic is going to be done by john favreau um so i think the three mandalorian ahsoka and rangers of the new republic they're all going to be around the same time period they're all made by the same people who make a mandalorian so we're sure that's going to be great uh, there's Lando series coming out, which I'm intrigued by. Uh, I don't, with a lot of these, not much to tell, but it's just interesting. There's Lando series that I'm intrigued by. There's a droid story with C3PO and R2D2 hosting with a new droid in it, which Megan's quite excited about because R2 is like a favorite character, um, which I wasn't as interested, but you know, I'll give it a go. <laughs> there's Visions, which is a Japanese, is basically, I think it's Japanese animation and it's going to be essentially Japanese animators and studio creating, uh, star wars content but like the way they worded it is quite weird i haven't got it for uh, verbatim here but it was kind of what it sounds like to me almost is they're going to get some stories they liked from books and whatever and maybe turn them into shorts and things and the reason i say that is because there's a few claudia gray books that have been turned into star wars manga and i i think there's quite in um in asia there's quite a big following for star wars as well as the western world and things and so i think that in that realm i wonder if there's going to be a few sort of things that haven't just books or comics maybe that become animated some of the bigger ones um then there's andor which is the cassie and andor show that we've all known about for a while which is the uh, guy from rogue one played by diego luna kenobi series everyone knows about that um the bad batch if people have seen clone Wars series seven there's a characters in it called the bad batch people already knew about that coming out and then the only other one uh specifically Star Wars, is acolyte which is the one that excites me the most because acolyte is set in the high republic era which is about 200 years before the phantom menace uh all the, in january there's two comic series and three books uh three or four books coming out i think three um all about this new era the high republic and then there's gonna be another book coming out middle of next year for the high republic and the acolyte is set at the end of the high republic era and it's going to be like a mystery thriller about the dark side so that really interests me um but i'm just interested in all of it i'm 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 quite happy they're not saying everything's being released tomorrow because then it'll be (laughs) be overwhelming at least like i think ahsoka and range of the republic i believe are next year and i think kenobi is filming next year and cassie and andor will be released uh in 2022 so it's going to be the next three years we're not going to get like 10 shows next year and then none it's going to be a bit of a slow release but do any of them sort of call out to you apart from rogue squadron i I think probably rogue squadron the the manga stuff is not really my bag more than my, my younger brother, mm. Mike. I've got a couple of younger brothers, but um, he he actually speaks quite a lot of Japanese. He's been learning for years, so that manga mm. style of things he's well into, you know. So he, he loves that uh, artwork, the, the, the storytelling, the way. I'm not sure. I, th- I think um, is it Ahsoka, the one who came in the Mandalorian. Mm. I think I'm interested in that. That that would be a good one, especially yeah. if you've been a Jedi, and that that explores it more. I mean, obviously with the Obi Wan 
stuff and Hayden Christensen being announced, that's probably the peak more than anything. It's how they're going to do it and how they're going to use it. But apparently, sort of saying, is he ever going to take the mask off? You know, because obviously, he's well, he, he's going to be Darth Vader. It's five, well, however many years after. Um, what was the, what's the last one? Um, uh, Reg, it's it's ten years, Sith. so it's basically halfway. Yeah. It's halfway between episodes three and Sorry, four. Yeah, yeah. Revenge of the Sith. So that's going to be interesting. And, and I just I hope because Hugh McGregor is a good actor. He was a little bit off sometimes in that, but I think them two together that's going to be some good chemistry because they're going to be at loggerheads, and it might finally mm. show why Obi Wan went into hiding F- from a a um, movie TV series point of view from someone like myself who doesn't read the comics. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting showing a much deeper, yeah, as, as you say, kind of what he is doing there. Because, I mean, apart from three and a half comics, that we don't, there's a, there's like Legends material that goes into what Kenobi actually did on Tatooine, but I, I haven't read or gone into any of that. But in the canon, it is literally just, there's three one-shot comics and they kind of vaguely connect and that that's it that's all we know about Kenobi and there's one episode of Rebels that you see him but that's that's really close to the end that's only like a couple of years before uh, A New Hope so Kenobi was the peak for me I think Kenobi, Ahsoka and Acolyte are the most exciting ones but I was Kenobi everyone's known about for ages and then Ahsoka was heavily rumoured especially when Rosario Dawson was in it for just Mando for one episode everyone's like well they're not going to get an actress that massive for one episode of Mandalorian she's definitely going to get a series um, well, her own main series because obviously the Clone Wars is basically her series anyways and she does show up in, in Rebels but yeah I mean it's an exciting time we'll have to we'll have to do a big brainstorm with all the guys because obviously there's I wonder if for Comics in Motion there's going to be more you know like for if for example like I'm interested by WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier but I'm not as invested as I think uh, Max, Scott, Steve or Dave or maybe you are I'm like yeah I'll watch it I'll, I will watch it within a couple of months of it coming out, but it's not going to be like the Star Wars series that I'm going to be on, yeah. you know, as soon as they're out. Yeah. And I get that. I, th- I think, I think for me, and, and to be honest, Mike, I know it sounds daft. I said to, to Dave the other day we were chatting, and, and I think I put it in the Discord is they're putting the prices up just as they're bringing out new shows because Disney Plus really for me has been one of them subscription services that I haven't, I don't feel I've got my money's worth out of. I know it's only six pound a month, mm. but. Once I'd gone through the MCU again, Mandalorian, and my daughter watches some of her old shows when she was younger, like she watches like stuff like Hannah Montana, and she's 20 now, but she'll throw on the odd episode for nostalgia. <laughs> she's probably watched stuff like that, Sweet Life on Deck and things like that. So I oh, can yeah. get I can get with that. I've watched loads of them with her, sadly, but I can get with that. But when it comes to like Netflix, and even I mean, even Prime's not great, but we watch a lot of reality stuff, but the delivery stuff the delivery service on Prime, that's what, what, what that seven ninety nine I pay a month for because it's great. Mm. The Disney one, I felt a little cheated, but I felt really, it's really difficult for me to actually go on there and think, you know what, I want to watch that. Whereas this stuff coming up, and as long as it's a, a um, steady stream, then I'll be more than happy to just keep up the subscription, whether they add another couple of quid on or not. Mm, yeah, I mean, because me and Megan, when it first uh, was announced but basically you could pre-order disney plus and we paid i think it was 50 quid for the whole year so that's 25 pound each but we had the intention of watching all of clone wars which is seven seasons all of rebels which is four seasons um i want to watch resistance even though it's not that great and that's two seasons and mandalorian coming out as well and then just generally there's a lot of like disney films that me and megan kind of want to see we're not not in a hurry to but i think there's like one um there's like bolt i haven't seen bolt and i haven't seen chicken little you know little films like that where i'm like no it doesn't come up in conversation like you need 
to go watch Bolt, but it's it's a a fun Disney film. But as you say, like when Mandalorian before they announced all this was coming to an end, I was thinking if they haven't got a Disney Plus show, like a, a one that I'm actually interested in to, for release by March when I renew, I'm just going to not renew and I'm just going to wait until Mandalorian Series 3 comes out and then just renew it for a couple months and stop it again. And I hope what they're going to do, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't thought this one through because it, it, it it's so obvious to me, is that when they release these shows, they'll have like, certain ones are going to be one series and some are going to be recurring. And if they do it correctly with all the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff and Star Wars, you could have a new one or two new episodes of something every week for a year because obviously there's only 52 weeks in a year so you just got to think like you basically have to have uh, if you had a series of eight for example then you'd really only need to have like seven series going on at once to generally have one episode a week and it's like if they can do that and they can do that right then they're going to have everyone from disney plus because like me and megan we don't like the netflix model as much and i think i've spoken about it before where if everything drops immediately it's a bit a lot of people like it and I understand why people like it but for me and Megan we're watching about 20 shows at once and we kind of just watch what we fancy at the time and when a show comes out weekly we make sure we watch one episode of that show every week so we're up to date but if a show comes out and it releases you know some of the old stuff like um uh Gotham I watched the first five seasons of Gotham it's like 24 episodes and then like nearly an hour each and if that amount drops in one go there's there's just so much to watch that it kind of is off-putting, if you know what I mean. No, I agree, because I think the one thing I would say, I am, with The Mandalorian, I would have loved to, to have dropped every episode for the simple reason, the short episodes, aren't they? You know, like, they're not hour-long ones. Mm. And when the Daredevil came out, things like that, I was straight on it. I just binged two or three episodes a day. But, however, there's also a flip side to it, Mike, which I think you're probably not far off what you were saying is it's the people who spoil it. So you, you go online, say you've not watched all the Mandalorian and you've watched, or I had only watched three of the episodes, seven episodes. Someone's going to spoil it on our timelines, not intentionally, but someone always does. I had a friend on Facebook and I've still got him and I had to actually sort of block his uh, timeline because any show that was on, he would literally tell you what has happened and be like, I can't wait for next week. And he'd be putting statuses on and, and loads of people are like, why are you spoiling it? He wouldn't like put beat for beat, but he'd say something like, like say, say with the stuff with Negan in, in uh, Walking Dead. And I don't like Walking Dead after the first mm. two series, but um, you know, all that stuff was going on and I did dip in out of his sort of series, Jeffrey's thingy. And, He'd come on and say like, "Oh yeah, he's good," and he, and then low, and he'd be like, "Well, you need to watch it quicker then." And it's like, well, people can't do that, you know. I know that was on Weekly Walking Dead, but then you get people watching stuff like when we had even stuff like, um, you know, Joe Exotic, and it went, went mm. an absolute phenomenon. You feel you've got to watch every episode because these people spoiling it all over social media. So it's it, you're right, I think, Mike. I think the Mandalorian works. And the boys did the same. The boys dropped three episodes on Prime and then it was weekly until the, the end of the second series this time, which I was a bit gutted about because I love that so much. But I think in hindsight, watching back, you're not in a rush then to sort of complete it all in about two days. Mm. Yeah, and I think it is partly uh, a marketing thing as well in the sense of, especially with Disney Plus, where it's a new thing because like Netflix is like the default and then Amazon Prime was, as you say, like the only reason we've got it is because Megan got Prime for the delivery service being free and then because video came with that, 
And we watched uh, The American Office, Parks and Recreation, The Boys, and there's a few other shows here and there. Because of that, we now are keeping it. So now we don't have normal TV. We don't even have a TV license. We don't watch anything on the normal TV. We, you, know, you can watch 4OD and you don't need a TV license So of all four. So you just watch Bake Off, which is the only thing we really watch on normal TV. And everything else is streaming. Uh, but with Disney+, Plus, yeah, it's... It's a good way of them getting people to stay, and also it does prevent spoilers because yeah, you ca- you can't get super fans. Like I would probably try and binge watch The Mandalorian probably in two or three days, but Megan probably wouldn't want to, but she would probably feel like she has to because <laughs> she would get as bored as well. Um, but let's loop round because I think you and I are going to talk about that for ages. Let's talk <laughs> about on, the actual episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, I could easily talk with you. You know, you and I were both big chatterboxes, yeah. so we could just sit here and natter on about nothing for ages. So uh, let's get on to the episode. So. It is the penultimate episode of Mandalorian Series 2. It is Chapter 15. It's called The Believer and is Episode 7 of Series 2. Um, so first impressions then, Chris, what do you think of the, this episode? I think it was great. Again, Mike, absolutely loved it. Uh, Boba Fett's there. It wasn't as prominent in this episode, was he, as he was in Episode mm. 6 or um, Chapter 14. Uh, still there in the background. Still, you know, they've got to find uh, Grogu now. Obviously, he's not just a child anymore. He's got a name, so, so they've mm. got to find him. And I think I think what was interesting, I kept racking my brains because you come, you're the same as me. You come from that Joe Rogan podcast era where I've watched so many episodes of Joe Rogan. You've got uh, all his friends. There's a few of them who fell off at the moment because there's all sorts of bloody allegations for some of my favourite podcasts. Oh, you have Chris D'Elia. Yeah, Chris D'Elia and Brian <laughs> Callen, the fire and the kid was my favourite out of a lot of them. And they've had the, having to split up because Brian Callen can't get on the show because of sponsors and that. But Bill Burr, I've seen so many times with Joe Rogan or mentioned and the, the comedians say how good he is. And, and, he's, and I kept thinking... Every time I've seen him, I, don't, I just, you know, you just don't correlate and match them together. I kept thinking, who is that guy? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I just saw randomly someone put the Bill Burr was fantastic, the Mandalorian. I was like, oh, I knew it. So Bill Burr, Bill Burr he's Migs in Mayfield, the prison, the guy, the guy that got out of prison. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be a whole, let's rescue him from the prison stuff, Mike. You know, like the seed. Same. Yeah, I, I did, but it wasn't. It happened pretty quick then he Gina Car- Carano's uh, character Cara Dune she come and basically just took him away which was really I, I, and then I was thinking well what's going to happen now there's got to be something especially with the title of the episode but no I thought he started really strong and again I'm all in I've got the sound play on full blast Mike I'm like right we mm-hmm. are in here completely I mean yeah I mean I feel the same. I, I loved this episode as well. And I'm very, very happy they didn't do a Prison Break episode because when the episode ended last week, I was like, oh, come on. I was like, don't be the same as Series 1, the episode The Prisoner, which both this episode and that episode were both directed by the same person. And it's one of the reasons I think Mix Mayfield kind of returned in some ways. But it is... I liked the episode The Prisoner from Series 1 when um, Bill Burr was in it last time. But I was like, oh, don't just be... I don't want The Mandalorian to have to be on the New Republic's bad side. So- Ooh, excuse me. I don't want to be in the Bad Republic's bad side. So- and then having to you know break him out of prison and i was like i can't i was like i'll happily go along for the ride but i'm not that interested by it and then as soon as they just kind of yeah as you say Kara june just walks up to him gets him on the uh ship and then they basically go and i was like oh that's good like i, I was pleasantly surprised and i do also want to say i don't think i've mentioned it in um in the mandalorian specials yet i think that Kara dune slash um Gina Carano, yeah, Carano is absolutely stunning. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the no, same. I, I think I she's do. so beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just thought I'd, I wouldn't no, find no, that. No, no, I said it just got last week, Mike. I'm like, yep, she is. I, I genuinely think that. I don't know if I said it on the show, but yeah, I, I'm a big MMA fan, so I know of her. She was one of the first women's champions, but uh, she's done well for mm. herself. I think she was in Fast and Furious as well. Uh, she's in Deadpool 2 Yeah, as yeah, well. Deadpool 2, yeah. But yeah, great actress and uh, yeah, very, very pretty. And I, th- I think as well, I, I said to Dave, uh, or Scotty may have been, I said, I think she may have her own uh, show. You know, this this is yeah. leading to like a Marshall type show. I mean, is the comics to back that up, Mike? Um, there are at the moment there are no Mandalorian comics. However, there has been a rumored Cara Cynthia Dune show for a long time, and one of the shows I we mentioned earlier, Rangers of the New Republic, as it's made by John Favreau again, and it's about it's set at the same era as Mandalorian. And from what I understand on online, Mandalorian. Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka, the series, are all going to run at basically at the same time, and certain episodes they're going to kind of cross over, which is going to be really exciting. I think that this is all being set up so, because uh, Cara Dune is uh, a marshal now of the New Republic, I think probably the last episode, maybe, she's going to meet up with one of the new Resistant pilots again, and they're going to be like, come on, do you want to give it another shot? And she's like, all right then. And they do some sort of epic handshake, and then that becomes she becomes a ranger of the New Republic. Because I think if she spearheaded the show, Rangers of the New Republic, and the Mandalorian uh, Series 3, kind of they did their own thing and maybe dipped their toes in and out, but she was kind of the the recognisable character from Rangers of the New Republic, and she had like a uh, an ensemble of other rangers, that would be really cool. So there are a lot of rumours and rumblings, and there's a lot of people that hope she is going to be in at least the other show too. Yeah. I think so. I think she deserves it. I think she's come through as one of the strongest characters over these couple of seasons when she's come in. And, and I, it's a testament to her, Dave. Uh, uh, Dave. Sorry, Mike. I said it all the time. I told Scott Dave last week. Dave's going to be laughing because I know he's editing this one. So, Mr. Horrocks, yes, I've done it again. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, but, but yeah, I think she's come through. She may have been like a test character to see if like, Gina Carano can... can carrier but she has and she's definitely strong enough and i think you're right they're going to cross over all three of them are going to cross over which is brilliant and and fully deserved at the end of the day i, I think one thing is about this episode mike and obviously you're a gamer this episode felt like i was i was playing a level on a video game yes. you know on the transport where they, ha- they can't get the, the ride is it ridonium yeah, they can't get yeah. it too shaken because obviously it'll react and then you've got to slow down but he's getting attacked Mando's getting attacked that felt so much like a computer game the whole rest of the show was like it was as if I was controlling a Star Wars game as such uh, really interesting I just saw, I saw that link straight away when I was watching it Mm, yeah i mean i i feel that as well yeah i i kind of felt that and there's been quite a few episodes of mandalorian where they felt quite um video game-ish and i'm thinking if if in a couple years time disney don't or whoever don't decide to make a star wars mandalorian game or even a bounty hunter game and you could kind of just play a rip-off version of mandalorian and just go around in this open world star wars because they haven't done any open world styles games since the legends days which is i think like the 90s now was if i'm i might be wrong there but i think there was 90s a couple of 90s games which are knights of the old republic and then i think one either got remade or just a new edition of it in the early 2000s but in the last 15 years to my knowledge there hasn't really been any new big open world styles games there's there's a jedi fallen order which is amazing but i'm just thinking like they were developing a game called 1313, which was meant to be following... I think the premise was following either Boba or Jango Fett in their road to becoming a bounty hunter. 
And you, they had some gameplay for it as well. I think a lot of it kind of got used to make Jedi Fallen Order. But I'm just thinking, can you imagine like a third person shooter playing as like the Mandalorian with all his gadgets and stuff? And you start off really weak and like your armor's barely intact, it's a bit broken and a bit discolored. And then as you progress through it, you get like signets and you could do like bonus missions and get like extra armor and you can upgrade the Razor Crest or whatever ship you have. Like that would be such a good game. Yeah, it would. I've just finished the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man and, and when you start with oh, nothing nice. and then by the end of it, he's just this electrified Spider-Man. So yeah, it's uh, that's, I, they're very similar. And I've, I've funny enough, uh, Star Wars Fallen Order is on Xbox Game Pass and I've never played it, but I've got it mm. there to play once I finish Spider-Man. I'm going on that on the Xbox because uh, I've really, everyone says, and it's been upgraded for the new console. So I'm like, right, I've got to play it because everyone says I'll, it's like a sleeper title. It's that good. Mm, yeah it is i love it and also some of my friends like i'm a gamer i do like playing games but i i'm like behind quite a bit and i don't have as much time to to play games as i would like but uh me and megan we recently got a second ps4 so over the christmas period we've got two tvs set up on our lounge and i'm going to be playing like doom eternal and she's going to be playing witcher 3 and then we've also got red dead redemption 2 and we've got a couple of lego games as well and the switch so i do play games but not huge i play a lot of games but not as much as maybe i'd like but my friends who are like proper full-on almost all their free time goes into playing video games and they know all the new releases all that sort of stuff even they said oh yeah fallen order is brilliant because i'm because as a big star wars fan i'm like i love it i think the gameplay is amazing and the story is brilliant but obviously because it's star wars i kind of like it a bit more but it is a really really enjoyable game um but i was gonna say with this um with mandalorian one thing I actually noticed, um, which was, did you notice that Boba Fett's armor seems to have got a new paint job? No, no. It's it's from, um, I watched it twice because I watched it again today at lunchtime just to take a few extra notes. So it's not, I wouldn't say a new paint job, but it's, it looks newer than it did in Empire Strikes Back now. So you've got it in Empire, it's kind of faded a bit. And then when he got it in, uh, right at the start when Cobb Vanth had it in this series, it was really kind of rusty and damaged and things. In this episode, at some point between the two, he is actually, it's all new, some painted, and it's all like really nice looking and stuff, which I just thought was quite entertaining. Ah, right. Yeah, and there's no context to why that would have happened either. Was it not like he said, oh, I've, I've given no. it a polish or whatever? Because usually there's a bit of dialogue <laughs> in there, but um, yeah. Maybe it's just he's been waiting for so long. Maybe he's just been like, I mean, that is one of the big plot holes, not plot holes, but things that hasn't yet been explained. It's like, well, if he was on Tatooine for so long waiting, why didn't he just get the armor from Cobb Vanth yeah yeah if, and he knew where it was didn't he because he wasn't a proper Mandalorian was he so uh, he mm. could have took it off and, and I think as well Thorbite he's saying about this whole episode what was interesting was how the hell do we end up uh, rooting for the TIE fighters and stormtroopers to come in and save the day <laughs> how did that actually happen because what was weird was when they, they, they took out all them sort of pirates who were trying to blow up um, the ship and everything with Mando on a Mayfield they just seemed like when you watch the Rebels and that, didn't they? They just seemed like normal guys. Everyone was cheering and high-fiving and all this. And obviously, you don't see that human side of it because they are literally the Star Wars version of the Nazis, aren't they? The big bad guys and all mm-hmm. that. And obviously, the, is it the general that they had when they were – the general of the – I think it's a general – when they were having the food in that little canteen sort of thing. And he is a typical mm. – um, empire, you know, bastard, basically, and he's the horrible sort yeah. of leader that you 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 do want to be blasted. But when that happened, it was quite a human element to the empire that we've never seen. I don't think. 
Mm, yeah, I agree. I'd say that there's like a book or two. There's, there's a book called Lost Stars by Claudia Gray that is excellent. And it, the whole storyline is two kids. Um, when they were young, they're kids and they are kind of uh, best friends. It's a, a girl and a boy. And then they boy, both sign up to become uh, to go into the Imperial Academy uh, and they go into the Empire, they rise up the ranks they've got this like friendly and becomes more flirtatious uh, relationship and they've got this camaraderie and they're kind of competing with each other to get become like the highest ranks in the Imperial Academy and whatever and then it goes to a point, and this is on the blurbs, so it's not a spoiler or anything, but at some point one of them decides, they, they something happens they're like I can't stay with the Empire, this is too much and the other one stays and it shows their whole relationship where one of them's in the rebellion and one's in the empire and both their mindsets. And it's one of, it's one of Claudia Gray's best books, I'd say. And it is one of the best Star Wars books, but that's the only, to my knowledge, the only one that goes quite deep into that. And I think what this has done quite well is, as you say, it, it, it humanizes them because it is one of those things where not everyone in the empire is like Hitler. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not all, massive genocidal maniacs like either uh, Moff Tarkin is Vader or Palpatine M- like at least a portion of them are probably just normal people who are trying to get in the army or do in air quotes the right thing or whatever and then when the empire falls if you're in a job and the business starts to fall apart around you but they say look we'll give you double the pay we'll fire all your colleagues but we we'll give you double the pay all benefits for your family just stay in not everyone has the opportunities where they can say no. So I think that what it's trying to kind of show is that sort of, I think Miggs, he says it in when they're in the transport for a bit, he's kind of like, you know, he tries to say they're kind of the same. And then by the time you get nearer the end, obviously his kind of view on it changes. But I, I did, so if we go into when they entered the that area in itself, then the actual, uh, the building, I think it was like a refinery or something. When they go in there, what did you think of that whole scene from them entering Mandalore with his helmet off to with his helmet on to taking it off and etc what was your kind of thoughts on that i think what was in, weird was obviously the whole um heist thing and and then you know on the ship and that he'd got changed into like a, a sort of stormtrooper's outfit hadn't he with his mask on and said mm. like i'm, I'm not going to get past it so we see him dressed as uh, a stormtrooper as such in the on the transport or transport office or whatever he is but then so, so we get that. So we still don't see him without his mask on. And obviously Bilbo's character, Mayfield says, you know, they need like my face and all this stuff. So he goes into the canteen thing and he's sat there, obviously the, the, the general thing. And he's been, you know, being a bit of a bastard and he's having a pop at him and he's trying to use this face recognition thing, but he has to, and he just takes his mask off and, and, I'm not saying it's wrong. Now, now Dave actually said to me that he's been told that he looks like the Mandalorian. Obviously, a lot of the people who've told him, and maybe some of his work colleagues, definitely need an eye test. But you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll give Mr. Horrocks that win because he does look he does look a little bit like him. I'll give him that. To be fair, um, <laughs> I just know he's going to be editing this. Called me a bar steward for saying that, but no, there is a look at <laughs> day. But what was interesting was the Mando's actually got a nicely quaffed moustache. You know, obviously, he never takes mm. his helmet off. We've had two seasons, and I'd even said last week I don't want him to take his helmet off. So. I didn't feel cheated and it didn't ruin the episode, but it felt a little too easy just for him to just whip his helmet off after everything we'd been through. I know Boba Fett and um, the, the, the that team he, he spoke to, the other Mandalorians had said like, you know, yeah, Bo-Katan Bo-Katan and that, that you know, you don't need, you know, what's the problem with you taking your mask off and all this? And he's like, you're not real Mandalorian and all this. So, so I think he'd been brought up a certain rigid way, which obviously is like most religions. You either buy it or you don't. Uh, so I get mm. that. I like the parallels of that, but I don't know. I, it, it, 
I'm not unhappy with it, but I can't say I'm happy with him revealing his mask, if that makes sense. I'm quite puzzled because the first person I wanted to speak to was you because I was like, Mike, what, what do you think? And that's when Dave went like, like, don't say anything. And even Dave said he wasn't bothered <laughs> about it. I don't think Scott and that were, but I just, I find, not cheated, but I'm just unsure whether, is he going to have his mask off now for the rest of the thing? Because I think he looks better with the mask on. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Pedro Pascal is a very uh, good-looking yes. chap, but uh, he, with obviously his mask on, uh, the helmet, it does it brings the whole outfit together, and it is protection. It is, you know, he can get shot in the head and not have his head pop. Um, but I, the way I kind of interpreted it, because I watched it once, um, obviously, and then I watched it again, so the second watch made me think about it a bit more. What I think it's kind of trying to show is at the start of the... Uh, in Series 1, right at the start, before he even meets Grogu or anything, he is like... Um, he's very dogmatic in his ways and he's very absolutist. You know, he always is like, always do this. Do not trust droids. Do not do this. Do not take off your helmet. And as it goes on, as he meets not only more Mandalorians, but obviously droids like IG-11 who helped him out at the end of series one and lots of these other things and characters like Quill, who just wants, who's the uh, Ugnaught who died in the end of series one, the, um, uh, I have spoken that guy with him meeting those kinds of people. I think what it is slowly, showing is that the light the absolute black and white aren't absolute they're much more of a gray area and i feel like he was showing himself that he the life of grogu to him was more important than his own honor in some ways and i feel like what that was kind of showing is that he's thinking now it's better to do the right thing than it is to stick with this arbitrary rule that you've put in for yourself kind of for the sake of it if you know what i yeah. mean yeah I'd, I'd almost it's i don't want to get into a I'm, i don't think you disagree with me on this point but i don't want to get into like a big religious discussion but for example in a religious sense i kind of viewed it as you know if you're raised if you're raised catholic and you're told that homosexuality is wrong for example and then sudden then you know you, you become older and things you have a bit better perspective and things maybe you meet some uh, people who are gay and then you change your opinion but you still identify as a catholic i'm not saying all catholics hate gays just to clarify but if you did that and then you were like actually i don't feel that way anymore but i want to keep some of the rules that with catholicism i like but not that specific one it can take quite a long time for people to adjust to something even like that. And that is what I kind of view the Mandalorian is doing, which is it is something that he believes is more morally right than his prior beliefs, but he is still going to stick to the core values in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And it is an example. Look, I, it's quite a good, um, description there Mike because I was brought up Catholic and we brought up Catholic mm. simply for the reason was my mum was Catholic my dad wasn't my dad doesn't believe in any religion but we um, he was brought off Church of England as a kid but we ended up yeah. to Catholic school because it was better than the schools locally that weren't Catholic and uh, Same. yeah and there was no thing so so I was brought up altar boy all that stuff and it's all like chanting and, and you go to mass I went to mass every week to serve mass funerals weddings mm -hmm. and all that you've probably done the same all that stuff when I got married, so I got married 22 years ago, I'm 42 now, I was 20. Me and Sam wanted to get married in a Catholic church. We had to because of the family and all that, because probably 90% of my family's Catholic, uh, family from Ireland and all that. So we um, had to go, this is God's only truth, this shows our religion is just ridiculous for me, um, is we had to go to a marriage, a pre-marriage um, get-together with other couples who were going to get married in the Catholic church, run, 
by nuns and priests. Now, obviously, in the Catholic Church, nuns and priests are not supposed to have any action at all. It's not like the C of E where they can get married and have a wife and kids and that. Uh, Catholic priests are supposed to abstain from sex and everything else. We had, Mike, a Catholic priest and nuns telling us at the front of a class with about 20 people, so about 10 couples in there, that um, we're not allowed to use condoms and showing us what you're not supposed to do, what you do. And I was sat there thinking, I didn't believe in religion by then anyway when I was 20. I was like, this is nonsense. And I'm looking at him going, okay, mate, I'm really going to believe a word you're saying. You know what I mean? So, so, and this isn't mm. slighting anybody. Really, If you believe in that, you believe in it and, and you have faith in that, you know, so that there's no problem with that. But but that style of, of like teaching and, and that you, you grew up a certain way and I'm getting back to the Mandalorian, trust me, but... We grew up a certain way, I and mean, like my dad never believed it. He just knew that it was a means to an end, so we'd get a better education and stuff. Um, and that that was just statistically proven in our area. Sadly, that Catholic churches schools were better than uh, the the C of A in that. Same, um, and that's no slant on where I come from. That's just that was just facts. So that's where we went to. But you'd go and you'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" I mean, Sam were like, "This is ridiculous." We had to go for four weeks, Mike, and we're like. You can't tell us nothing. You're not even supposed to have fucking sex, you fucking weirdos. You know what I mean? Like just and that was the end of that was the end of I didn't have any belief by then anyway. That was the end of my I am not following pact. And I think with the Mandalorian segueing back, and I know that was a bit of a tragic story I've just told, but it's the same. He's grew up a certain way, he doesn't know any different. And very much like you said about people the catholic church with homosexuality and things like that and obviously it's becoming more acceptable now which quite rightly it should uh like having every religion creed color everything it should be nobody should be uh discriminated against because of any you know their uh, sexual beliefs religion any nobody color of the skin it's absolutely ridiculous that we're in this day and age and that's just not me trying to get brownie points or be mr politically correct i truly believe that anyone who knows me knows that i've got nine brothers and sisters and we're mm. all of different opinions and, and you know things like that so you, you grow up uh and you change but yeah with the mandalorian it does feel like that when you would grow up in a cocoon society you know that you then come in the outside world and it's like hang on that isn't actually true that's not true he's not going to hit you know i think mandalorian thinks if he takes his mask off his face is going to fall off and obviously it's not i know he's a bit <laughs> over the top but that's how it feels with this and i can relate to his character a lot mike i think that's such a good point you brought up yeah it's it's one of those things it is because i've i've listened to you know there's the well it's good not to dump on religion or anything but there's the um, the extreme side of it which is um there's a joe rogan podcast with uh megan i think it's, it's uh, megan I want to say Phelps, but I'm just talking to you, so I think I'm wrong there. It's I can't remember what her name is, but um, she's she was part of the uh, Westboro Baptist Church, and she left the Westboro Baptist Church. And the way that happened was because she um, was re- she was you know posting on Twitter all the hate speech that the Westboro Baptist Church do. Someone was tweeting back at her saying, "Well, what you said in this part contradicts this part." And what you blah blah blah, and pointing out all these contradictions. And then over the years, she eventually kind of looked in towards herself and thought, "I don't want to be a part of this sect of religion." left and then i don't know if at the moment if she's atheist agnostic or whatever but when you're in that realm you've kind of got the blinders on it's very easy to stick to these arbitrary rules because you don't know any other way and obviously mandalorian they say you know this is the way but so to him it was that sort of thing where i have to do this way the only way i'm allowed if i'm worthy to wear this armor and worthy of all these things is if i do this and then he meets other mandalorians who don't do it and he's like but but they're all fine what why sh- and then i think it's that kind of 
that yeah that kind of, kind of realization because he was raised in the mandalorian the sort of specific sect of the mandalorians that didn't remove their helmets for from the age of i think he's like eight or ten or something all the way up to now so i, I think it is that what, what you said uh yourself specifically is one of those things where kind of once once you've got the crack in the armor in a sense if, if you have this unfallible ideology be it music taste religion uh you know mandalorian whatever kind of thing it is if it is this absolute you could like certain metalheads are like you you can't listen to pop music pop music sucks and you know i used to be in that realm to a degree when i was a teenager and stuff and then once you don't believe these pointless things and you start believing in things in things for your reasons and your own moral compass or whatever you start to kind of have a realization about things and i think that's what this kind of episode is trying to show which is as i said you know there's something more important to him than his honor and that is creed and that is grogu and i think that's quite beautiful and i think that that marries really well with um with migs mayfield as well because his character i'll see as you point out before is bill burr and things and i really like his character i think when i saw his character before i was like he's cool he's he's a he's you know he's a He's a loud-mouthed mercenary sort of thing. Cool, and he's got another gun. But in this episode, I think he really shined because when he has that conversation with, I've got the name of the character, uh, Valin Hess, which is that sort of admiral officer sort of guy, when he's sitting there at the table and he's talking to him, he, and he has that moment and he shoots him, and then obviously he's basically protecting Mando the whole time as they leave, and then at the very end he blows up uh, the Rydonian because he thinks that's the right thing to do, and I think all of that culminates together into this episode, which is it's one of those episodes which I think, although it may not be anyone's necessarily favourite episode, I think for the character development of both Mandalorian in the long run, but also in a micro level uh, mix, I think they did it expertly. Yeah, I, I think so. I, th- I think you're right. I, I, I think. It's a weird segue to go off, Mike, but I think it parallels the show so much. I, I, I think it, mm. it does. Anybody who has been, I think anybody, in, especially in the UK, you, you either Catholic or, uh, you know, you're Muslim, you know, there's all sorts of religions in there out there, you know, so so mm-hmm. you, you have a certain way and a belief. At the end of the day, the Church of England was created because Henry VIII couldn't get remarried in the Catholic Church. And that's that's, <laughs> that's how he started religion. So yeah, there you go. That's exactly. Scientology, all the other stuff. So, uh, yeah, here we are. Anyway, sorry, Mike. But, but yeah, so so I'm really with you on that. I, th- I think as well, what about the Liam Neeson bit at the end? Yeah, DeLorean. You know, when he does the old uh, to Moff Gideon, you know, the old basic bit, I will find you, I have a set of skills, I'm going to fucking kill you. I love that at the end. I thought that was, because I said a few episodes ago that we grew grew up, obviously I've never read the comics like yourself, I've no context, but I always grew up knowing that these are only a select amount of people will stand up to the Empire. So you've got the Skywalkers, Obi-Wan, Han Solo, but there's not a lot of people who really, truly would want to stand up. Spando doesn't want to do it when they take over and he has to give up Han. So I grew up with that mm-hmm. and a breath of fresh air because there's not the same Jedi people all the time standing up. These people around, maybe because obviously after return the Jedi, people are like, they're not, the Empire's was, we can have a go back now. I don't know, but I find it refreshing. And especially because he just turns, for me, has set up the last episode perfect. Mm. Yeah, and there was one thing I wanted to mention as well, which was in in the conversation, and I, I wondered if you'd pick this up, and because this is something that's actually only in, 
I think it's in, I think it's in the books, but it's basically in the comics and in the games. And it's something called Operation Cinder. And it was mentioned in the conversation. Uh, did you pick up that term yes. or have any idea what I'd re- it means? I only know because I read up on it afterwards. So I, I didn't know anything about it before, Mike. It was just reading notes for tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll uh, inform the guys. This would have been one of my nuggets of information if uh, I wasn't having a conversation with you. So I'll just very briefly tell people what it is. Um, there's a comic which I actually tackled on one of the first few episodes of Star Wars Comics in Canon. So go check that out. And it's um, it's St- Shattered Empire. It's a four part miniseries, one of the first Canon comics that was released after uh, sort of the new Canon came in. And it's a four parts, and it's basically what happened literally hours after the end of Episode Six. Um, and it's basically them just the the trio of Reb- or the group of rebels going around on Endor doing a few bits here and there. But it gets mentioned there about something about Operation Cinder. And then in the game Star Wars Battlefront Two, um, the campaign mode of that, it all centers around Operation Cinder. And it's one of the reasons that quite a few Imperials uh, left the Empire. And it's one of the contributing reasons why people believe the Empire fell as it did or as it was alluded to. Uh, and essentially all it is is that after Episode 6, when Palpatine died, he had a contingency plan in, which was one of the contingencies is Operation Cinder. And essentially all of the worlds that were loyal to the Empire, that were really into um, the Empire and things, he set up satellites which would go around and shoot beams down that would basically destroy whatever they were hitting. It would mess up the whole atmosphere, cause mass flooding, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, uh, crazy weather, hurricanes. Basically, you get loads of these uh, satellites and if you put them on for a certain period of time, eventually it would basically kill everyone. So like a really, really, really slow Death Star. And he did that for loads of different planets um, to try and basically say, look, the empire if the empire dies when Palpatine dies, and he was like, the contingency is, if I die, the imperial worlds shouldn't be allowed to keep going. And that was kind of how it was aimed. And then in the Aftermath books as well, which came out shortly after, uh, they kind of added on to that and said, there's more layers to his contingency. And Operation Cinder was one layer of it. Another layer of the contingency was a group of... Um, certain star destroyers and certain groups that were high up in the empire that survived after the battle of jakku they shot off into the unknown regions of space to build a new which basically became the first order so operation cinder is part of this plan which was basically the contingency plan if the empire fell to then rebuild the empire but make it look like the empire is destroying itself and also is kind of falling in itself so the new republic don't even try looking very much which is kind of part in reason how the first order came back in the sequel trilogy because at some point they demilitarize they get rid of their military they become too lax and they don't worry about the empire anymore so operations Indo, in short is basically just palpatine caused i think it's six to eight planets we know of and he basically just tried to burn them and he killed hundreds if not thousands if not millions upon millions of people on each of these planets trying to basically erase the parts of the empire and that's what he did and that's why migs gets so upset about it because they in the styles battlefront 2 game in the campaign you get one of the main characters is watching their home planet get destroyed by the empire they spent their lives like serving and she's going the, the character uh Iden versio she's asking the admiral she's going, why why are you allowing this and he's like it's what the emperor emperor commands and she's like well, the emperor's dead and some people didn't even think he was and it was all this weirdness and just people having to watch their own planets just be burnt because the emperor died and it, it's such a it's interesting but it is pretty brutal <laughs> it's quite a dark aspect of it that's interesting, though, Mike, as well, because um, 
it, it shows everything up because I, I've said a few times of this, it's just weird how, the, obviously it's five years after Return of the Jedi where you know everybody had a big party and everyone was hugging each other and all that and they'd saved themselves from the evil empire, but they're still there in this world, aren't they? They're just building themselves back up. So it's in some respects, it slightly cheapens the original movies because it really was a small victory in a massive battle, really which lasts for another yeah. 30, 35 years, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, I can I can take all that on as a Star Wars fan. I completely can, honestly. But, yeah, I just thought this episode as a whole, again, was I think this was one of my favourites because it was just non-stop all the way through. And I said that last week. It was a great episode. This, for me, was one definitely over the two series. This is one of my favourites. Yeah, it is it's definitely a standout. Uh, the episode itself is, is brilliant. I, I really like it. I'd say I still think episode one is still top for me yes. i think i mean i the one with ahsoka in was amazing as well because ahsoka is arguably my favorite character in all of star wars i've got about people have heard me talk on this podcast numerous times i have like five or six top characters of all time so she's one of them <laughs> but um yeah i want to add as well there's one thing in here which is quite cool which i, I wonder if you pick this up um the seismic charge that uh boba fett's ship dropped um it was towards the end when it was getting chased by the two tie fighters and he dropped out that charge did you did you recognise where that was from? No, no. In episode two, Attack of the Clones, when Jango Fett, Boba's dad, when he's flying with Boba in the same ship, so the ship they're flying is the Slave One, in episode two, Attack of the Clones, when Obi-Wan is following Jango Fett, uh, Jango Fett goes through an asteroid field and he tries to lose Obi-Wan. And by doing so, he drops a seismic charge. And in the in the community, the Star Wars communities, it's, a, it's very well known because it became a meme. Because when... It drops, and you hear the same sound effect in The Mandalorian. You hear that... So sort of, I just smacked the mic then, so that was even more <laughs> over-exaggerated. But that low, you know, the low noise, that is, like, so iconic to Star Wars fans because in Episode 2, it's, like, one of the highlight moments is Jango Fett dropping a seismic charge and blowing up loads of asteroids. And so many people, when we were watching... Um, watching that, and you see the Slave on start to ascend and everyone who kind of recognised it was like, oh, my God is he going to drop a seismic charge? And then he does. And I could almost feel all the other massive Star Wars fans who are watching it around the same time. You can almost feel them all thinking the same thing. And then when I went on the internet afterwards, you could see loads of people going on about it. But it's it's one of those things where I love, which is it's so many callbacks to the films of Star Wars, to Legends material, like the Crate Dragon in episode one, that's a Legends thing. And then the books, Cobb Vanth, he's a book character. Like all these little bits where someone such as yourself or someone... Well, let's use yourself as an example. You know, you've got, if you kind of think of the three tiers of Star Wars fans in a sense, it's someone who's seen all the movies, someone who's seen all the movies and most of the series, uh, and then someone like myself who's seen all the films, all the movies and read loads of books, comics, etc. And it's funny because speaking with you, speaking with like Megan is in the middle. She's seen the series and uh, the movies, but hasn't read any books or comics. But finding that people like yourself and Megan, you still enjoy the episodes as much as people like myself do for slightly different reasons in certain ways, but it doesn't take it away. They add all these little drops in, which are good enough for fans who like, they go, Oh my God, a seismic charge. That's really cool. I remember that. Or, you know, Cobb Vanth coming is, Oh my God, Cobb Vanth from the aftermath books. That's amazing. But they do it in such a way and they did it perfectly with Ahsoka where they don't have to spend a hundred hours trying to explain who someone is. It's just Star Wars is that someone can drop in. They've got a name because everyone's relatively got a name. You don't need to know the whole backstory, but if you do, you can find out. And that's one of the things I love as well. Yeah. And, and that, I think you're right because 
I mean, I'll go online and I've read this stuff about the Cinder uh, attack and things like that afterwards, just because I'm interested, not because we were coming on here. And I know your knowledge is, is unbelievable. So uh, I know you, you, <laughs> you would know this anyway, what, what we were going to talk about. But just, just for me, because I'm intrigued watching it, you know, just a bit of context on some of the characters and things like that. That's what I'll always do. When we're reviewing them on a podcast, it's just good to read stuff so there's an understanding who you talk like yourself or like last week, Scott, or if it's me and Dave, I always sit there. I don't prep like Dave does. Dave, Dave's really good at prepping. I am just the absolute fly be night who turns up and just, you know, I'll read 10 minutes before I come on. But if I'm really into something, I will sit there and, and spend a little bit of time. But I think, there's so many nuggets and we all joke with you, Mike, don't we? Like, you know, well, did we a comic? Michael tell us all about it. But I think with this, <laughs> you're right. It doesn't need it. I can pick this up as purely a Star Wars movie fan and enjoy it for what it is. I know little bits of nuggets from your knowledge and a bit of Dave's, Scott's, but, but genuinely I don't need to know the full backstory. I can just watch it for what it is, which is a, it's a cracking TV show. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. And one more thing to add there is um, the way I describe it, and you're a gamer, so you, you'd understand this sort of referencing as well, is what I find a lot of the time, what I feel like especially Rise of Skywalker did, um, and this isn't me just shitting on Rise of Skywalker, I do enjoy it as a film, I just think it's heavily flawed, is the difference The difference between this and Rise of Skywalker is to make sense of things in Rise of Skywalker, for example, how Palpatine had a clone, like like as in how he made himself in that, his children, who or his son rather, who isn't really a son, is actually another clone, all this mess of plot holes that don't make sense. You have to read the books or the comics or whatever to make sense of what's actually going on, which is not the right way of doing it. And I compare that to the EA model of games, which is they, they don't release a full game a lot of the time. They release like 70% of a game and then to get the full picture, you have to buy the DLC. You have to buy the extra content. And that's kind of how I felt with the newer films in Star Wars, to a degree. It has felt a little bit like that. Not necessarily Rogue One or Solo as much, but with the sequel trilogy, sometimes something happens and people are like, I don't understand this. Is that because I'm missing something or because the filmmakers are missing something? And as a film watcher, you shouldn't have to ask that kind of question. It, a series or a film should be self-contained but when it connects to a wider story, it should make the watching better, but not make it necessary. So it's what Mandalorian is a whole complete game. And if you've uh, if you've played all the other, say, DLC, you know, read the books, comics, whatever about other stuff, you'll get little nods to stuff which makes the viewing experience better. Whereas Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, was more so an unfinished thing, and you had to read the other content to finish something in itself. Do you see what I'm sort of saying? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. I, I was kind of rambling. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> but, I, yeah. I, I'm fascinated listening to you, Mike, because it is stuff that I have no knowledge on. So I, I really find it dead interesting that the, these subplots, little bits of things in the background that just brings it all together. And it's and I think what's clever about the Star Wars universe is it's, you can make it as in-depth as you want to. If you just want to watch it like myself purely for a movie I can or a TV show, I can just put it on and watch it. If you really, really want to build the characters in that, there is so much content out there as you know full, you know, as you know how you do the comics in Canon podcast. And it's it's really fascinating that that there's that much depth in it. And not just because these plots in the movies or the TV stuff. There's some really interesting stuff and loads of characters I've never even heard of that could eventually end up on Disney Plus. Mm. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. And I'm 
I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with yourself and obviously in the comics uh, family, but seemingly at probably one of the best points of doing it. And, you know, we'll have to see when all these other shows come out, because it'll be interesting if uh, mobs of us, like, I know there's been talks about when Boys Series 3 comes out, people doing a, a thing like that, or it would it would be so cool if in Comics of Motion we have like a maybe a every now and then just a special episodes like we've done with Mandalorian, where we can do it with, you know, when the Ahsoka series drops or when uh, the Rangers of the New Republic or Acolyte or even not specifically Star Wars when it's the other MCU stuff or even not just Disney stuff you know it would be cool to expand this and I think this little uh, Mandalorian thing we've been doing uh, has been really really fun for that so uh, I think we're kind of coming to the end here um, so I just want to say uh, is there final thoughts of just generally this episode what you're hoping for next uh, episode uh, and then we'll kind of hang things up i'm hoping that we do get potentially whether they're gonna i want them to kill off moff gideon and then someone else rises for series three i want mando to go in proper clint eastwood all guns blazing john mcclain job take everybody out boba fett's there he's, he looks strong um you know and, and then go from there cara june you know she makes an appearance i think i think it's leading to a proper showdown and I don't think it's going to disappoint us because the quality of this series has been like the first series. And for me, if I was going to score it, it'd be a five out of five, which which for anyone listening to comics, emotion, TV and movies would be an Asgard. So uh, yeah, I can't wait for this week, Mike. And as soon as it drops on Friday, I've got a feeling I might be working from home on Friday, funny enough. So uh, yeah, I'm all over it, mate. <laughs> wonderful yeah i mean i'm i'm very excited too i mean i'm sad that this series is ending i've loved being able to uh chat with all you guys and things hopefully uh next week as well will be the, the whole mob of us as well which will be a lot of fun and um yeah i think this i think with the last season i think it was a solid eight out of ten for me but when i was talking to other people about it i'd say maybe it's a seven out of ten just depending on how much you're into the world of star wars the lull in the middle some people disliked it more than i did i've personally loved it but then this series nine maybe not i probably wouldn't say 10 out of 10 because i don't think i've ever seen anything that might maybe rate 10 out of 10 because i'm so harsh but like definitely a nine maybe even a 9.5 out of 10 just because there are not even just the whole everything is very fun and there's so many all the episodes are brilliant but it's like sometimes and often with star wars i'd say so many times you watch a star wars movie and it finishes and you're like half not half it but like parts of it you're like why do they do it like that why do they do it like that why didn't they do this thing why did they do that thing you know all these questions the prequels and the sequels are riddled with questions of why did people do that and why didn't people do that but with series two specifically of the mandalorian apart from you know maybe the odd little tiny gripe that doesn't really ruin anything i can't really think of anything that if i was creating this show knowing what we now know i can't think of really anything that i would change no i don't think so i don't i don't think it would have got us to this point if we changed if it changed too much i think it, 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 mm. this will go down as one of the best tv shows for a long time yeah I completely agree. Awesome. Well, this is where we can sort of wrap up then. So uh, what I'll do is I'll let you say all the things that you want to promote. I'll finish it off and then we'll hang this up. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for having us again, mate. And thank you for letting me sabotage and take over the show a few weeks. I've had a few weeks where we've gone across and uh, we've just, you, you've been so busy with uh, your work and that you've had to do um, little segments for us and, and give us the tidbits on that. So thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you letting us do this and sort of indulging on the Star, Star Wars love one way or the other it's been really good but 
obviously comics in motion this is the feed that everyone's on me and dave have another podcast which is the vhs strikes back as well where we just go back and look at great movies terrible movies and even worse movies than that depending on how much you want to stick to each other up so that's on there the vhs strikes back on every podcast app and uh, yeah that's about it i think mate wonderful cool yeah so and i want to say you know it's been an absolute pleasure to have you scott and dave all hosting your own little uh star wars um or the star wars show you know it's, it's a lot of fun and I've, I've genuinely whenever the new episodes drop even with my little nugget of information recorded i'm always so excited to hear what the three of you think of it because i am a massive star wars fan and i do love you know getting in the little details and things about this that and the other and reading the books and comics and whatnot but i just uh, with especially comics and motion podcasting recently i've been loving the community and i think what mandalorian has helped a lot is star wars fans like as it's shown when we did that big special last year we all enjoy Star Wars maybe for different reasons and have different opinions on uh, the originals the prequels and the sequels but what's really nice is all of us have kind of unanimously gone you know what Mandalorian's bloody brilliant we may not all like th- our favourite parts of it may not be the same but there are so many good parts in it that it really it just hits all the sort of right buttons for every Star Wars fan I feel and, and I'm really happy about that I'm excited to see what they do and hopefully we can do more of these sort of fun shows on comics and motion don't have to just be star wars or disney related things but it's just exciting even at me not being involved specifically with you guys discussing certain episodes i've just loved it when an episode drops i'm normally at work or something and just um on my lunch break listening to you guys uh, chat about something that i hold so dear so thank you to for hosting and making sure that there's this weekly show for the mandalorian it's been excellent and um for myself yeah i mean if you listen to this then you're probably listening on the comics and motions feed uh so you can catch my show star wars comics and canon that comes out every saturday um i think last week's one was a lando one about the prequel comic before um the solo film which is quite exciting especially because there's that lando series that's been announced so go check that out and then next week i'm going to be tackling grand admiral thrawn who's the name who's been dropped in mandalorian who's quite prominent in legends and is in star wars rebels so i'm just kind of there's a comic adaptation of one of the books so i'm going to be tackling that just to give some information about thrawn just in case we see him pop up in the final episodes we'll see about that and then my other podcast is genuine chits chat where i have a different guest on relatively every episode and i speak about a huge variety of things and recently, the episode that's been, I've released it on this feed of Souls uh, Comics and Canon, as well as Genuine Chit Chat, I had a conversation with Claudia Gray, who is an author, and she has written four Star Wars books, um, Bloodline, Lost Stars, Blair, Princess of Alderaan, and Master and Apprentice, and she's also writing, or has written, the one of the upcoming High Republic books, which is, I mentioned slightly earlier, it's going to be uh, tackling a era 200 years before the phantom menace so i had a great hour-long conversation with her she was amazing so make sure you check that out too and you can find me on all social media at genuine chit chat and i know that you can find all comics and motion social media at comics and motion p so you know just once again chris thank you so much for chatting with me thank you so much for uh being on the majority of these mandalorian special shows uh and yeah just thank you <laughs> thank you mate and i appreciate it. and uh yeah well well i'll see you next week actually because we're all going to be on it aren't we exactly yeah so everyone who's listening make sure you subscribe to comics emotion so you can get all of that glorious content as well as all the other amazing shows here uh because i've also been listening to a, i've been listening to all the backlog of superheroes for dummies so i've been getting into all that sort of stuff as well so so much content to listen to so many great uh content creators on this very feed as well and so many cool people involved with like scott of 20th century geek and stuff so you know subscribe to keep up to date with all these things and yeah we'll talk to you guys next week for the finale 
finale of the Mandalorian special. Hi. 